0: Hi, everybody. This is Peter Diamandis, and welcome to Exponential Wisdom. I'm here with my partner, my coach, Dan Sullivan. And Dan, today, let's talk about how, as an entrepreneur, you respond during a time of crisis. We're both transmitting from a new location today, our homes, as we've all gone virtual. And and you've gone through a few different crises during your lifetime. And so I have some advice. You have some advice. Let's jump in and share.
1: There is a division and I can think of personal kind of scary times in my life where I didn't respond, you know, the way looking back, I would have wanted to respond and it's happened in my business life. But I would say, Peter, if people are really, really shocked by what's going on, uh, I'm 75 and I've been through a lot of crisis type situations that were public not just private situation. And this is a big one. I mean, this is the first global one where literally every person on the planet has to think, you know, I could be directly affected by what's going on healthwise. I could. And everybody's being affected financially by this. So I think this is, in my lifetime, and I was born during the Second World War, this is the biggest pure global event that affects everybody and almost in the same way. So it's kind of an interesting phenomenon that we're in right now, but I've been really busy because we're doing a switch over from live workshop presentations to virtual presentations. And there was just a lot of very, very fast thinking and very fast acting. You're digitizing,
0: dematerializing, and demonetizing. Yeah, I am. Or at least dematerializing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, yeah. And right now we're demonetizing a little bit, Yeah.
0: (laughs) yeah. Same for me. I find myself waking up early with a fire in my belly more than ever before as an entrepreneur, just looking at, OK, all of these changes are occurring worldwide. Lots of people need help. Businesses need help. How do I reinvent what I'm doing? What are the new products and services? You know, They talk about companies like Uber and Airbnb, even to some degree SpaceX, really being born out of 2008 or out of 2001 or of 911 and so forth. It's true we get a massive sort of darwinian evolutionary pressures that form new companies that come out of no place.
1: Yeah, there's a high degree of unpredictability about it because there's great inertia forces during normal times and there's lots and lots of new ideas, but the inertia of normal keeps these things on the back burner and all of a sudden when normal life goes away, you say, hey, well, the normal stuff isn't working. Why don't we take a look at some of the more innovative stuff that we've been talking about? And nobody's going to stop us because, you know, they've got their thinking on other things. So, you know, typically, you know, I've been looking at recessions and I've been looking at pandemics. So this is about the 15th one that qualifies as a pandemic. And I guess the official definition is as an epidemic that goes across national boundaries. So if it starts in one place and it jumps, that's called a pandemic. But, you know, this is not the worst one. The worst one was 1360. That was the Black Death in Europe. It killed one third of all adult Europeans and changed the economic structure, political structure, social structure, cultural structure of the entire and I can already feel some shifts going that we're not going to go back when normal returns, it won't be the normal we left.
0: Yeah. It will be changes for sure in both who are the primary companies out there, societal interfaces, you know, acceptance. One of the things I just finished writing and releasing my book, The Future is Faster than You Think. And I talk about what changes are going to be occurring over the next 10 years as we start digitizing everything and VR and AI start playing a greater role. We're seeing so many of those predictions accelerated by years. So this is really an accelerant. Can you give means. me an
1: example? Because I have some, I mean, for medical technology, telemedicine has.
0: Yeah. So that's for sure the whole medical field, right? In terms of you're becoming the CEO of your own health. You're going to be doing a lot more of the healthcare that's occurring in your home. The whole working at home, obviously, you know, with Slack and Zoom, any companies that were resistant to that are transforming very rapidly. And it's interesting, right? As a entrepreneur, as a CEO, my organization had been mostly a distributed organization and, you know, the old school person, me understood that, but had some resistance. And now on the flip side, as I'm working from home, I can see the advantages of that to some significant degree. Anyway, the whole retail space is completely transforming the disappearance of the retail malls. It's sad and healthy, but we're gonna see so many companies that were hanging on go away. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, the bottom 20% will no longer be here.
1: Yeah,
0: And one of the, I wanna hear all your ideas But one of the pieces of advice that I keep thinking about for myself and for others is any business that was just hanging on, now is a great time to kill it and take those resources and people and capital and apply it to something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So what are you seeing that's amazing? What's the primary advice that you as a coach would give uh, me and everybody else listening? I created two thinking
1: exercises out of this. One of them is called Scary Times Skills. It's, uh, you know, a typical strategic coach kind of matrix worksheet. And what it does, you just list five scary times from your life. Okay, so I had one when I was nine years old. My family farm, the barn and the greenhouse, which was the center of the economy for the farm, burned down, and it was not insured, and that was the end of our farm. So that was an incident. I was scared, you know, I cried, you know. I actually hid in my room and my mother says, oh, you should come out and see this. You probably won't see this again. So I watched it and I listened right through to, you know, the current strategic coach stuff. And you just do it and you say, why was it scary? Second thing is, what'd you learn from the scare? And what lifetime skills did you develop because you learned from? And my sense is that all of life is learning. Some of it's more comfortable, but actually when you're really, put on the spot and all your senses come alive I think this is actually learning so I think my learning curve is actually quite a bit faster and steeper however long this lasts I've been much more simple in my approach to daily life and I'm pretty good that way but it's gotten simpler we have a thing called simplifier multiplier and I'm 100% simplifier and I've been that way but the clients I've been talking to, and it's the free zone Frontier people until next Monday, and then I'll start talking to 10 times clients, they're uniformly positive. I was really, really struck of how positive they are. And they took care of their family. First thing they did is take care of their family. Stabilize, yeah. Stabilize, then get your team connected from home, and then start talking to your clients and customers. So that's one, two, three. That's sort of the checklist. Mm. and talk to your customers and clients to talk to them because there's a natural tendency, well, I can't sell anything right now. And I said, you can sell them on a better future. So you can go around to all your clients and customers. You can do a DOS conversation with them. One of the things when we have a crisis like this, the future that everyone was expecting just disappeared and it's not naturally reapplied You have to work to create a new future during this period of time. So another tool, Peter, that you might be interested, I said, we're all making shifts. We're all making adjustments. But here's what you should do. You should start a structure and a process in your company called the first 100 days that you begin planning that the moment the all clear whistle starts and you can go back to work and you can congregate. And everything what are you going to do during the first hundred days that's better than any hundred day period you've ever had in your past life everybody just loves this and they said because it allows us to be saying this is not going to be a waste we're not going backwards we're actually going forward so these are some of the yeah. thoughts that i'm getting out right now
0: yeah no it's important let me share from my standpoint the advice i'm giving my abundance community members and i'm thinking about myself The first is from a personal perspective, we're likely to be at home in some level of isolation for at least a period of 60 days. It could be 90 days. And that's long enough period to begin new habits. And so be actually focused on what habits you want to be creating. And I'll share, for example, increased exercise is one, you know, better sleep is another changing your diet. So I've gone very much to a skipping breakfast and going straight to every other day, skipping lunch, just having dinner, going to intermittent fasting, but doing that in a way that's stronger and better than before. And obviously, meditation is a third. So that's one new, actually, traditions with your family that come out of this that you'll maintain afterwards. So on the personal front, those are them. And then Obviously, we've talked about the 60s, that whatever you digitize, you can dematerialize, demonetize, and democratize. And so every company has got to be looking at reinventing what they're doing into a digital format. And you can actually dig deeper than ever before. So how do you do that? How do you digitize elements of your company you never could before? And then finally, letting go of the old way of doing things. So there are companies that we're on the edge, and they're still maintaining old ways of doing things. So how do you as the CEO use this as a either psychological excuse or financial excuse to kill parts of your company and reassign those people and that capital into new vibrant Mm -hmm. things? I'll add the final thing is being a great entrepreneur during times of crisis is extraordinary. What is needed that's not being met Mm -hmm. and keep a log of all of the problems you're having and do that judo move that says okay when i see a problem i'm going to see solution Mm -hmm. so how do you flip it from problem to solution
1: yeah the feeling that i have there's been a status shift in society and something that i i never thought i would see again and that is that blue collar workers have very, very high status today. People who can actually do things manually have some very high status. I mean, truck drivers have never been higher on the social scales. And it's kind of a a nirvana situation for truck drivers because they have clear highways and delivering things. Amazon's hired 100,000 more people related to just the whole process of getting more deliveries out there, you know, and Toronto, I mean, the streets are empty. I actually went into the city. I had to do some shopping last Saturday and I went in and you could park anywhere. And Toronto is not an epicenter status like New York City. It's not like Ground Zero. The Canadians went through, uh, Toronto did the SARS epidemic and was the center outside of Hong Kong or China, whichever it was. Mm -hmm. The first person who had it came from China and then just milled about for about five or six days. And so they had a lot of people. It was much more contagious. Yeah. And it was faster acting. I mean, you went fast with SARS. So I think in the aftermath of that, our workshops were down to about 20%. And Americans had heard that thousands of people were dying in Toronto. You know, the panic news. In Toronto, there was about a dozen people who died. But the city kind of learned from that, you know. I mean, there's enormous learning going on right now. But the one thing that I do, I switch to a 24-hour future the moment I go into uh, time. And that is I'm only going to be concerned about things that I can actually get done today and then use who's, you know. And some of what I'm doing is I'm just doing very, very clear-cut, fast filters kind of communication where I say, I'd like you to think about this project. And this is a good project. And if we don't do it, this is not a good result. And these are the five things that are really great. And I just fired them out. And I ask people, don't try to write anything in a letter, put it into a fast filter. If you can't write a fast filter, I don't want to read it. And you don't want to send it. Anyway, And (laughs) one thing I've noticed, Peter, is that I love what we can do with Zoom, like we're doing right now. I really love Zoom. But people take for granted a lot of context from person-to-person communications, body language, it's facial expression and everything else. And it doesn't translate 100% for Zoom. So a lot of content-heavy communications that don't have a context, they're kind of jarring. You say, I I don't even know what this is about. Where if they're in person, you say, can you back up a little bit and kind of tell me what this is all about? And so that's the biggest thing I've noticed... That we pick up all sorts of... Cues. Yeah, yeah. we pick up a lot of cues and we pick up setting, we pick up all sorts of things. And when that's not present, you have to over-contextualize so that people get the
0: reason why. You know, let me share something I've been doing that I'm super excited about. So during times of crisis like this, a lot of people tend to put on CNN or Fox News and just leave it running 24-7. You don't, I don't. But a lot of people have it running in the background mode. And it all of a sudden is just all of this is seeping into your mind. And the crisis news network is constantly making you negative. And that's a problem because your mindset is the most valuable thing that you have. We've talked about this a 1000 times. And everybody listening hopefully knows that. And so first of all, piece of advice, shut off the news. You know, if you want to get five minutes of news on Google news alerts, or read something at the end of the day, that's fine. But you don't need to be the constant disaster information flowing into your brain, making you feel negative, is eating up bandwidth and mindset that should be used in positive. Well, it's
1: raising your cortisol levels too.
0: Yeah, which is causing your immune system to weaken and all of that. So I've been working on a secret project, Dan, that I've told you a little bit about, but it's called Future Loop.
1: Yeah, is with Evan Hagan. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so Evan and I have co-funded for three years now and it's been in development. And we have an amazing machine learning scientist, Morgan McDermott, who is brilliant. He's a global asset, you know, cognitive asset. And so this searches the world's news, all of the science journals, news journals, social media, and it scans it and it rates every article on the semantic positive and future forward semantic language, and then exponential technologies that are converging and we had developed it to apply to every industry, like future of coaching, transportation, healthcare, and so forth. We focused it on COVID-19, so it generates a daily email newsletter of, here are all of the articles around the world that are about how COVID-19 is being solved by AI and big data, CRISPR and gene therapy, all of these different things. And so that was great. The next thing we did, I think you've heard about a concept called wisdom of the Mm crowds that a large enough population can make fairly accurate predictions. And so we've built that engine on top of Future Loop, where when you go, we're running a different prediction engine every week. We just finished, we're about to announce results, in fact, today about when will the first FDA approved COVID-19 vaccine come out. And interestingly enough, the prediction came out for December 18th or 19th. So just by the end of the year, just in time for the Christmas holidays, we'll see if that pans out. But now we're going to be running some predictions on peak death rate. We're going to look at the Dow industrial averages and so forth. But it's an interesting business to look at. Can you predict the future with a large enough group of people where you combine crowd intelligence, and machine learning intelligence. So we'll see. But it's been so much fun to build this. And by the way, anyone anyone listening, if you're interested, just go to futureloop.com forward slash C19, and you can register if it's free. And I'm just having a blast with it.
1: That's great, Peter. Well, you know, I've always believed there's a difference between our brain and what we call mind. And the way that I've approached it personally is, uh, you know, you're born with certain capability and you hope it's good enough. And I think I've had a good enough brain, but I'm not sure I'm really that much more intelligent at 75 than I was at 15 years old as far as my brain working, but my ability to access the thinking of others. And that's what I call our mind Hmm. is that my mind is just a thousand times bigger than it was even 25 years ago. Just my ability to get value out of other people's thinking. And I think that this future loop that you're doing, you're just accessing thinking from around the world and you can direct it to your purposes.
0: Yeah, it's fun. There'll be a version eventually. One of the things you can do is you can sort the results by profession, by level of expertise, by gender, by nationality. And so you can look and see how does the world look at this problem and make this prediction based upon all these different elements. So anyway, it's fun. And to the point we made earlier that during this kind of a crisis mode, there are going to be incredible new companies and strategies emerging and reinvented companies that are come out stronger. And so it's like Coach will have new kinds of capabilities as will my abundance community. So here's a question. Will we ever go back to having large scale events of hundreds of people coming together or even 50 people coming together. When will we feel safe enough? Will there be an all clear sign? I guess after there's we have a, a vaccine of some type. when will that happen? Mm-hmm. So these are important questions that all of us need to be thinking about.
1: Yeah, I mean, think about where we were in Beverly Hills three months ago. You know, yeah. what's happened in three months. Well, I'm telling our team, they're a bit nervous because of the virtual thing. Yeah. You know, and I'm just doing the two-hour sprints, okay? You know, we schedule people in dates that are convenient for them, and we ask people if you want to be in any session, just let us know. But, you know, we're not being tight about this. Virtual is really convenient for us, so it might as well be convenient for them. But there's a thinking process that you can get beforehand. I have a little video. I have a thinking process, writable PDF. And I'll show you how I thought about it. But when you come in and then Zoom, you know, you can come in, you can have like a two minute general address and you hit a button and they're in groups of four and they're talking to each other groups of four. And nobody's in the bathroom. Nobody's taking a smoke break. Nobody's doing it. They're you know, just there. So we're going to do it. But there's talk and said, you know, will we ever have live workshops again? And I said, sure we will. And they said, well, what if they love the virtual so much they won't think about? It? I said, here's what's going to be true. They're going to come back and they're going to want both. Mm-hmm. So whatever new we create during the crises and downturn, they're going to love that, but they're going to love the other thing too. But they'll want both. They won't want one or the other. They'll want both. And, you know, the history of popular entertainment, movies were going to wipe out theater, didn't happen. Television was going to wipe out movies, didn't happen. People want more, they don't want, (laughs) they don't want uh, expansion. So I think one thing, and this probably deserves a whole podcast, Peter, but my sense is that supply chains are going to get more national again. They'll get
0: more robust, for sure. And they're going to get, rather than national, they'll get more micro. So we'll start to see, for example, how do you manufacture internal to your organization? Right. So one of the things that's interesting, and we've talked about this on Exponential Wisdom before, you looked at a company like SpaceX that, unlike other aerospace companies, which source their parts from everywhere, and what you had is military suppliers sourcing this part, and they'd put a margin on it, and then to this part and put a margin on it to cut their cost down. And I knew Elon very closely at the early days of formation of SpaceX. He said, no, we're going to manufacture everything internally. So they ended up really verticalizing the company. And that allowed them to own cognitively and have their own destiny. But then you have a company. That is now 3D printing their entire rocket. Mm-hmm. And all they need is like, you know, just Inconel as a metal coming in. So, yeah, we're going to start to see reinventing the supply chain, yeah. nationalizing it, but localizing it to our large degree.
1: There's a great book out, just came out. It's called Disunited Nations by Peter Zion. I met him. I recommended to Joe Polish that he have Peter at one of the Genius Network meetings. And he came in and his thing is that a lot of people don't realize this, but deep water navigation is 80% of global trade. It happens by deep water navigation. But a lot of people don't realize it's river systems. So the U.S. has the greatest river system in the world. It's about 12,500 miles, and that's the Mississippi, the Ohio, the Missouri, and a lot of other rivers. But water transportation is about one-twelfth the cost of any kind of land transportation and 120 the cost of air transportation. What he's predicting is you'll get supply chains up and down a river or it'll be local. It's your ability to get your products to water where there's not an urgency. It's not needed in 24 hours. You would use air for that or, you know, really rapid transportation. But most trade is a week, two weeks, three weeks. And so I think that the period of Having your supply chains in 20 different countries, we won't see that again.
0: Yeah, I think there's a lot of... Now, this globalization has been advantageous in many ways in the following sense, right? China went through this experience first of the pandemic. And because of their ability to mandate certain changes, they went through it in 60 days. And they have been extraordinarily open and sharing, And I think maybe in our next podcast, let's talk about the actual pandemic, talk about what's coming on in terms of new detection capabilities and vaccines and therapies. But one of the most incredible things that's gone on is the entire world has never seen a singular enemy, right? We've never had that before. During any world war, there was always enemies on both sides or neutral parties. We had people who said, well, the environmental collapse or species die off is an enemy, but some countries want the environment to change. Some countries or groups don't care about species die off. But for the first time ever, every nation on the planet has got their sites trained on this specific coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And the level of collaboration and the amount of cognitive focus mm-hmm. is like none other before. And and we're seeing amazing across-the-border sharing of science and knowledge. Yeah,
1: there's no possibility of it going back either. Yeah. Yeah, the efficiencies that are probably being created in billions of processes today that you would not even know how to detect them. You know, the improvements are going on so quickly. So I think that's the thing that I feel, you know, regarding the topic of this particular podcast is that, I mean, you've got to be good for cash. You know, we're, Talking every day to 2,600 entrepreneurs who are active in coach, you know, some people are closer to the edge than others. But we say the biggest thing is you don't want to become isolated. I think that when you become isolated and feel cut off from other people, you start to hallucinate and you make up all sorts of bad things which aren't true, but your cortisol levels don't care whether they're true or not. You're still going to go crazy. So what I try to do is to prevent anyone from being isolated, you know, just as yeah. the leader with Babs of so strategic coach, I said, make sure we contact everybody every day that we're in touch with them and we're sending them things and everything else. So I think it's just not having the feeling of being alone. I don't think humans do real well alone for a long period of time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, pal, I appreciate you. I'll just mention one last thing that I'm doing for my community and also for your community. I think now more than ever, software as a service and AI as a service is going to be more important. It's going to be huge. So I am going heads down on creating the curriculum around AI as your new who Mm -hmm. and making that available to my abundance community. And we're going to be doing a series of webinars and curriculum creation around that because we're going to get massive amounts of efficiency coming out of this. And there's always, you know, after the meltdown in 2001, after the meltdown 2008, or back in 19, anyway, 87, 87, I mean, you get these booms as the dead weight is lost and people have reinvented efficiencies.
1: Yeah. I'll give you a grim one, which actually turned out to be a fundamental breakthrough was the Black Death. 1360 is the biggest year, and one-third of all the adults in Europe died. But what happened was that there was just an incredible amount of spare clothing afterwards. Mm. So the enterprising papermakers started to collect this, and they'd boil it and pack it in warehouses. And Gutenberg happens 95 years later, 1455. And without all that spare clothing from the people who died during the plague, the Gutenberg Revolution wouldn't have gotten off the ground. So what seems to be terrible in one context can be an extraordinary crucial breakthrough in another one. and it's fertilizer. I think as an individual, you have to be alert, curious, responsive, and resourceful to not get caught up in the past and not get too dreamy about the future, but just take advantage of opportunities that are available next 24 hours with the people you know putting capabilities
0: together in more efficient ways. Yeah, 100%. Well, listen, this has been a good podcast. On our next one, why don't we dive into a little bit about how exponential technologies are impacting this? Mm-hmm. Again, more about as a exponential entrepreneur or as an entrepreneur, how you're thinking about this. Maybe I can share what I'm seeing as solutions coming down the pike mm-hmm. and how we prevent this from happening at this scale in the future. You bet. All right. See you soon. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Dan.